everyone, and welcome back to your favorite shenanigans podcast, Operation History, a podcast where history is more than what you remember. Welcome to June, everyone. Happy Pride Month. Tonight, the digital table is full. Unfortunately, we have gone back to the virtual table rather than the physical table, but I think y'all will be much more grateful for that. Last time got weird. Does it sound weird? No, last time we were in person, it got weird. Really Let's be weird. honest. I'm just yeah. tired. And to drive <laughs> sweaty. up to where we had yeah. to meet up, I'd be exhausted. And I'd rather not die tonight. We, we've gotten so comfortable with this, I didn't even get through the intro before you guys started interrupting me. <laughs> Thanks. Yay. As you can see, the shenanigans are in full swing. We have all four hosts tonight as Derek, Lauren, David, and myself, Maria. I did not give you guys an opportunity to say hi because- One, two, three, hi. 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 (laughs) My job is going to be so interesting for this podcast. Enjoy. Thank you. Tonight, Lauren and Derek are going to be taking us through the 1969 Stonewall riots. And on that note, I'm not sure which one of you is going first, but whoever it is, please take it away. Derek, I know you said you were going to go first, but I think it's a good, I feel like we should establish, I mean, first of all, happy pride, everybody. Um, Happy pride. And I just want to point out because, um, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I guess it's not really like be all end all of people not part of the community speaking on say Stonewall, but I feel like it's important for people that are part of the LGBT plus community to like, you know, have their voices like heard. Um, So as we all know, um, Derek and I are taking the reins today. I think we've said it 50 times by now. Um, But I guess if anyone didn't know what you didn't, where have you been? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's kind of obvious, but I mean, eh, who knows? So for um, all the estranged family members who listen to this, but, you know, don't know my sexuality, (laughs) I kid, sort of. Um, I'm, me, Lauren, I'm bi, I've been out for, since eighth grade, so I graduated in 2014, and that was six years ago. Seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Seven years ago. Seven. So I've been mm-hmm. out for about 12 years. It's cool because I'm almost out more than I've been in. Just cool. Um, Good for you. So, yeah, I mean, no one needs to hear the sub story because there really wasn't one. But I just think it's good to know who you're getting yeah. your information from. And again, it can be skewed by so much time and our own, like, just lives. But yeah. So I'm bye. Hi. Um, and, uh, I've been out, uh, I'm, I'm gay and I've been out since 2015. So much, much more of a recent coming to terms with things, uh, at Maybe least gay. on the outward scale. Um, and we're, yeah, you know, the whole life, but, uh, out, outward it's, it's been not, not too long. And we're um, going to go to a gay bar. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, but I think that it's important at least for people of the community to, you know, try to come to terms with things like this because 
it wasn't that long ago. It, no. You know, that that's that's one thing that we need to kind of reckon with. And, you know, it's good to hear voices from the same community talking about things like this. And I think that it's good to start off with this because yes. now we'll actually get into it because, you know, we, we can talk, you know, policy all day. But I think it's good to actually get into what we're talking about. And, of course, we are going to be talking about uh, in June 28th of 1969, the Stonewall Inn. Um Stonewall Inn, nice little place uh, that served pretty decent drinks from what I've uh, read about. Um, but these drinks were usually quite expensive. Mm -hmm. They were very expensive because of the owners. The owners of the this inn. Get right into it. Oh, we're going to get right into it. Because I think God. it's important to establish a backstory. Uh, well, you know, background of all of what why this is happening. Uh, the owners of the Stonewall Inn were the Mafia at this point. Uh, the Mafia had intentions of using this club to kind of balance out their books as a means of, hey, you know, we're, we're going to add some more in inventory and revenue, but also as a front to extort high-level personnel. The way they did this is they marketed it as a gay club during the up to the 1960s and 70s homosexuality was still a crime in 49 states including new york including including new york uh, i believe it was illinois was the only one that uh decriminalized sodomy at that point um but yes homosexuality was completely a crime which means you either get a fine or imprisonment for doing anything that is perceived as homosexual at that point. Um, so the mafia, being who they are, saw that they could benefit off of this because they would have an underground club that they would pay off the police and have them look the other way. And they could have this little established club where gay people can go well, not just gay, but anyone who does not conform to society's norms at that point. So you had gay individuals, you had lesbian individuals, trans people, uh, gender non-conforming. You had everyone in that whole LGBTQ community all in there at once. But at that time, it was just seen as a quote-unquote gay club. Um, I also think it's interesting, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe... It was also a like bring your own booze situation. So even mm -hmm. if serving alcohol was, they weren't supposed to be doing that, which they were like, okay, but like what? I mean, this will come in later, but it's like, okay, what? There's so many layers for why the events that happened happened. Like they were doing so many things. Yeah, there, there was, it was like a bring your own booze at times. Uh, we, Do we want to get into that with the whole liquor license stuff? Uh, we can, totally. So from the research that I found was that New York would not give liquor licenses to any place that had that was supporting the gays or well, thought to be supporting the gays. Sexual deviance. Yes. Right. Or, yeah. Anyone immoral yeah. acts. Yeah. Right. So homosexuality was seen as at that point. Yeah. So the club had to be B BYB because yeah. if they said, hey, we're serving alcohol, yeah. the liquor license would come down hard on them. But right. on the other hand, 
it is also the mafia, which means that they, they, they can kind of cut corners at times and not go with the most legal routes. Uh, what are you going to say, Maria? Not, not to jump ahead, not to jump ahead, but when yep. the cops came in, wasn't that one of their, wasn't that yes. their reason? Was yes. The liquor yes. yes. It, it was, it was a that liquor was the on the yeah. books reason. Yeah, because yes. that's so, that's what I had found that the trumped up liquor charges. Which was gets fine. weirder. Which gets weird, but I'll let Derek. Yeah, we'll get, get there. That. Yeah. Well, oh, don't worry. We we have a lot <laughs> to talk about this place. So, um, like I said, the the mafia did occasionally sell liquor there um at exorbitant prices because they knew that yeah this is illegal so we're going to upcharge every single person here uh and they definitely did and they had very interesting clientele because anyone who was Mm -hmm. of the lgbt plus community could not go openly practice anywhere except someplace like this which would cause problems for some of these people because if it was a normal club that would be catering to them, but not run by people that are questionable like the mafia, yeah, that's it's already you know stressful enough. But when you add the element of people who know how to gain information and use it, it's terrifying because they would go ahead and mark down who had actually entered that club. Mm-hmm. Any person who has any type of influence um if they needed some place like you know if they needed a area that was going to be off limits and they wanted to you know hide a body somewhere they would go and talk to that manager who was at the club last night and say hey you either let us hide this body or we're gonna out you to everyone and you're gonna lose a lot more than just your job so what you're saying is the mob had a whole nice list of blackmail information that they could yep. hang over your head anytime they yep. wanted. And they exactly kind of, they kind of painted it as a like it's an exclusive club, so we want to make sure we know who's coming in. So they have to sign their name. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it, it was it was painted as a hey, yeah, get your name up on the wall kind of thing, but it was really a hey, a now good, we have yeah. a whole list of who who is somewhat on this list even if you weren't gay you could just be gender non-conforming you were there that put you in yeah yeah, that was even worse in some areas in in some cult in some like areas it was even considered worse to be that um purely because even gays were still sometimes seen as masculine but any man who would dress as a woman or a woman who was dressing like a tank to be a man yeah. Exactly. That that was seen as gender. Uh, what was the actual wording? It was, that was gender. Uh, they they were arrested. Uh, so don't worry. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, on June twenty eighth, exactly, there was a random raid, uh, and this was not the only raid that has ever happened on the Stonewall Inn. Um, there had been many. Uh, yes, Lauren. Um, sorry, I'm just raising my hands with that. You know them. <laughs> I guess to go back to the mob had power and high prices. And mm-hmm. so when we say random raid, typically when a raid would happen, even at Stonewall, which happened like three days before Stonewall riots happened, there were there was a raid on the Stonewall Inn. Um, what would happen is they would get tipped off by uh, like dirty cop that they paid off, and they would be able to hide their booze. Like everyone could leave they could do like 
like get it at like they could hide their shit. That was that was pretty standard in mob practice. That was one of their whole mm-hmm. for paying people right. off. Yes. Was that you know somebody mm-hmm. would somebody who they were paying to help look the other way would mm-hmm. inevitably be the rat for them. Exactly. And then the what happened on June twenty eighth is that there was no warning. So they were like, sh- like they didn't know what was happening. Until it was happening. Yeah. Yes, David. So I'm wondering because at this point, Jay uh, Edgar Hoover was on his way out of the FBI, and at that point, the FBI was really investigating communist, socialists, and anyone that was deemed as un-American. Air quotations. So I was wondering if this was if this sting was really against him because it was against the mob, which at this point was hands off mob relationships because the FBI had a weird sort of relationship with the mob. But I wonder if this was a a FU to Hoover to the mob and to Gaze as well, you know, or anyone that was LGBTQ part of the movement because the cops and FBI was like, you know what? Hoover's out on his way out. Let's do our thing. Like uh, Lauren had said, uh, there had been numerous quote-unquote raids against Stonewall and many other clubs like this, but the majority of times they had paid off the police so they had been notified. For this one, I'm not sure. I tried to do a little bit of research, but I couldn't find why necessarily either the cop that was talking to them didn't tell them or there wasn't enough time to tell or something. But regardless, the police show up at the Stonewall Inn. They show up in a pretty decent number. Not like, you know, crazy, but enough to like, you know, stir up a crowd. They get there. They see that there is drinking. They see that there is definitely people that are not gender conforming. And it is people who are suspected of being homosexual. And that is enough. They can arrest them on the spot. Which, there was a pretty decent amount of people inside Stonewall. And they didn't want to go down without a little bit of a tussle. They weren't fighting. They weren't rioting at that point. They just didn't want to get arrested for just being in a club. They start pushing their way out. So as these police officers are trying to arrest them, they start shoving them around, just like kind of like a mosh pit almost. Imagine yourself being in a mosh pit of a couple hundred people, which, I mean, it's it's intense. That's a lot. By the end of this whole little quote-unquote mosh pit, um, it ends up with the police inside the stone wall and the majority, if not all, of the guests outside. They end up lighting the stone wall in on fire with the police officers still inside. Police reinforcements come in and those police officers get out unscathed. But that whole little interaction left a little bit of a sore feeling in both little communities. And that started a multi-day... It's, it's interesting because depending on how you look at it, it depends on what you call it. The, the, the normal term that a lot of people use is the Stonewall Riots. But if you ask 
uh, people like the Stonewall Veterans Association. It's an organization for all the Stonewallers, the people who had been through the Stonewall uh, whole little area and how everything happened. This is a quote from their uh, website, actually. The rebellion, in, uh, in parentheses, it was never a riot, uh, lasted five inconsecutive nights. They were not riots. It was, in their eyes and some others, it's more of a rebellion, a liberation, rather than a riot, because instantly you have riot, and that connotates with, you know, it's just people throwing rocks through windows, generally being upset, and just, you know, taking their anger out on everyone. In, you know, a lot of people's eyes, riot has a very inherent kind of, you know, negative term to it, and rebellion kind of seems more like, you know, you're taking back what was unjustly taken, you know? The I like I like how you refer to it as a rebellion. In my research, one of the articles I read from the Harvard Gazette made it akin to what the shot heard around the world was for the American Revolution is what this was for the LGBTQ movement. It was it's like I haven't seen it too in too many places, but I have seen it also be called the Stonewall Uprising. Yep. Which I don't know how it, I mean it still has a connotation but it's less of a like it's a riot you know yeah. it seems like no matter what word they associate with it there's more negative stigmas surrounding the words association that they want to use with it I wonder why well, sorry well the thing, the thing is with, with with riot it usually has the connotation of this is still an illegal activity it's not like right. you know you're this is not it's a just not okay activity. and it should be like yeah fund i guess yeah a year from that time was actually the first uh pride festival first pride parade that had happened and it was actually pretty hopping even back then um they they had a pretty good turnout there was also a turnout for uh opposing of course, of course. uh people that really Always. did not vibe with that but um, I have a little statistic here that 2019 was actually the 50th anniversary of that event. Oh, yeah. And there were 5 million attendees uh, at the, the uh, Pride Parade over near Stonewall, which, I mean, you know, that's that one parade, <laughs> never mind, you know, all across America and the, the world, ones. you know. Yeah. And it is now, is it a monument or a it national? It is a national historic monument. That was in 20, uh, was it, was 20? It was Obama. With Obama? Yeah. It was like one of the, not the last things he did, but. It was, it was, it was towards the end, I believe. Towards the end of his uh, administration. When he yeah. didn't really need to worry about giving a really damn about. What a rat's ass <laughs> about the yeah. uh, homophobes of his. Anyway. Don't even get <laughs> Oh, we could, we could talk a lot about that, I'm sure. The thing I do want to talk about is how this event is talked about through the lens of historians because the original writers of a lot of these events it's it's sad because yes they they definitely wrote about it even in like the 80s and 90s there were books about this like they were pretty detailed accounts but the thing is a lot of those writers leave out anyone who is not a white male mm -hmm. white gay male 
it, it, it saying that a white gay male led revolution started this. There was a large, large population of people of color, of trans people there, gender nonconforming, but that seems to be left out because even in the 90s, it was much more acceptable at that point to be gay than it was to be trans or, you know, any anything else that wasn't even understood even closer. So they left that completely out of their narrative. And if you don't include everything in your narrative, it does not give you a full picture. Um, one of those people that, you know, really encapsulates the movement uh, would definitely be Marsha P. Johnson. I'm not sure if anyone here had kind of looked at her through the research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's I'm going gonna, gonna to let you finish what you're going to say, and I'm going to see if you already say what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just know, things are on my mind. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, so you're going to let yeah. me finish. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let you finish, so, but... Uh, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> so, Marsha P. was an amazing, amazing person. An amazing activist for trans and LGBT rights, huge for the youth of the LGBT community, just like one of those people that genuinely gets how the world works and should, you know, should work and tries to make it better. Marsha was a very interesting person because she, it's hard to really say what she was because I'll tell you a quote in a second. She was an African-American, either A, drag queen, or B, trans woman. Now, these are titles that we put upon. To put it in Marsha's eyes, quote, this is from the Marsha P. Johnston Institute, which is a, a organization that helps out um, person of color, trans women, um, you know, and, uh, you know, it helps, it helps them out through life in general. This is a quote from Marsha. Uh, Marsha went by Black Marsha before settling on Marsha P. Johnson. The P stood for pay it no mind, which is what Marsha would say in response to questions about her gender. Meaning, I'm just Marsha. Doesn't really matter who or what I am. I'm Marsha. Marsha was one of those exemplary people that were at the forefront of this whole rebellion, uprising, riot, whatever you want to call it, kind of saying, hey, we should actually have rights. This shouldn't be happening, that we shouldn't have to hide in a hovel in order to actually you know, be heard. Marsha was one of those exemplary people and became huge in the entire scene. But up until recently, hadn't really been heard about. People really didn't talk about her because, well, she was black and she was either trans or drag queen, which wasn't in fitting in that narrative of white gays being the leaders of this whole little organization. Yes, all the above. I was just going to say, but I think I love that all of like Marsha P and trans women of color especially or gender non-conforming people you know are coming to light i think it's interesting because now it's a huge misconception that marsha p threw the first brick at stonewall oh no 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 <laughs> she was not there the first day she later said she was like i don't know who told you all that but 
<laughs> she was there. She was involved, but she wasn't at that moment. Yes. So of course, we're not sure who did what, but we do believe there is. I don't. I couldn't find her name in my research, but there was either it was either my research. It said lesbian, but it may have been a trans mm -hmm. woman. It could have been a lot of different things. It was thirteen people being arrested at Stonewall. One of them, she got hit over the head by a police officer and she basically cried out and was like someone do something like come on <laughs> and that's when things started to be thrown mm -hmm. which yeah i, I mean yeah. sorry no, go no. ahead you go no you go <laughs> i was gonna say it's just i mean you probably maybe have said this but i just think it's fascinating because it's like stonewall did not be like start gay rights or lgbt rights in mm -hmm. the united states or globally or anything but it's almost if, when you look at how things went down it was almost not inevitable but something was going to happen because historically when the police showed up everyone scattered but everyone kind of stuck around mm. see what's going on and then more people showed up and more people showed up so it was almost like the like t like kindling was there but then someone mm -hmm. just had to, somebody threw a match and then it just mm. <laughs> literally uh so all went up in flames <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of premise of what happened with the British in the 17 and 1800s. The Americans, this little crappy colony across the sea, threw off the British Empire. That means that colonies can be free of their oppressors. And, you know, soon after, places like Haiti go ahead and just say, hey, why are we living under this rule? Let's just do this. It sets that precedent, because if it happens once, it can happen again. So if you have Stonewall happen, why can't that happen in other places? Which means, hey, well, then that means we should give them rights. Otherwise, another Stonewall will happen in every major city in the U.S. Right. And, I mean, it has spread to some extent. Mm. True, Not true, because true. of Stonewall, but, like, yeah, it's like, oh, we can do this and we can win. One last little thing about uh, Marsha P., it's it's the sad part of that because uh, Marsha worked through her whole life about you know trying to better other people's lives really. 1992, uh, her body had been found in the Hudson River. The police automatically rule it as a suicide. Every member of her family, as well as a lot of the community, called out for an investigation, and it was denied. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll never believe what happened. 2012, they finally reopened the investigation. It is still unsolved to this point. It shows you that whole theme that it's not done. Just because... a long way to go. You know, 2015, you know, same-sex marriage became legal. That doesn't mean everything goes away. 1992, this amazing activist was possibly murdered because of who she was it shows you that that's not too long away i'm sure we have listeners out there that were born 92 or earlier which you know it's it kind of hits you hard when you you read about things in the 17 and 1800s that are kind of messed up away. you know it's like oh well yeah you know 17 1800s yeah things were messed up back then when you read something that says 1992 yes. yeah that's there are that's many, many that's my yeah. lifetime 
yeah, yeah. that happened in and, my lifetime yeah. not you but and, for me yeah yeah and it's it's just kind of it hits you pretty hard very hard okay do we have anything that we want to uh have questions about and talk um, i think we should open it up yeah i think we should open it up i would like to add just you know it is a major misconception that stonewall began gay rights um that's really mm-hmm. because people um uh, it's out of ignorance but not malice i think yes 100 um well because that's what they're taught in schools that Gay rights right. only starts with the end of the civil rights movement. It starts with Stonewall. That's um, it. There was so nothing before it. <laughs> if you guys don't mind, I, I, I'll just give, it'll, it'll be quick, but um, just some like, so I'll, I'll focus in New York. Just something interesting to think about. In 1966, is it Mattachine Society? Mm-hmm. For like human rights, they held, they took notes out of the civil rights sit-in books and they had a sip-in. And basically what they would do is, at that point, it was illegal to refuse to serve based on being gay. And so they would go and sit at bars and be like, I'm gay. And if someone did something about it, they would call the police or they call whoever. In 1924, um, Henry Gerber started the Society for Human Rights and that was the first gay organization in the United States. It only lasted a year because it was seen as, oh my God, you know, like the gays. I really recommend if someone wants to know about like say New York before Stonewall, um, Gay New York tells you everything you need to know. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's by, yeah, it's by George Chauncey and it's from um, the 90s. So it's a little bit old, but it's from 1890 to 1940. And it's pretty interesting. You know, see, he really dives into the subculture LGBT plus communities. It's, it's mostly gay men that he goes into because mm-hmm. that's where we get the most literature. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it stood the test of time. It really, you know, it, go, it does go into the crackdown on like quote gay sentiment sentiment to eliminate representation. Basically, like talking about how, it, like, being gay went from like okay as long as you stay over there to like a moral issue and like you have to get back in the closet and stuff. Um, mm. I just, you know, I wanted to give our man's Chauncey a plug. <laughs> totally. Uh, if we're on the on the topic of resources, David Carter put out a book, um, Stonewall: The Riots That Sparked the Gay Revolution. Um, it's a pretty decent overview of the topic, but again, it's 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 kind of light on the uh, whole person of color and trans representation. So if you want to like know the basic stuff of everything, he he has interesting ideas on why it was started and everything but i think it's a good overall guide but the biggest guide that i can really recommend the library of congress actually has a whole tab of stonewall era and uprising underneath their lgbtq plus studies a resource guide which has uh links to the veterans association which goes to their website and a bunch of other things it has links to individual things like uh, gay activists that are from there, the gay liberation movement as a whole, what gay rights are, uh, Marsha P and uh, Sylvia Rivera that also worked with Marsha P quite often. 
It also has a lot of external resources, talking about um, Queen Power article uh, in the Rat, which is a whole uh, kind of it's a it's a very chaotic a a subterranean news type thing uh, for drag queens that talks about the whole thing. So it's 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 a really good read, genuinely. I, I would I would recommend it. Um, um, but yes, the the Library of Congress. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be throwing the. Uh, the link for the yeah i'll put it in the show notes please send me what the first one was because i went to write it down and then my brain zipped uh what are we talking about uh the first the first uh the the dude that i talked about that wrote the book uh that would be david carter stonewall the riots that sparked the gay revolution um and then i have just one last one it is martin duberman it's also from the 90s it's the definitive story of lgbtq rights uprising that changed america so it's about Stonewall, but what's interesting is it's part of it up until the riots themselves or uprising, revolution, whatever, themselves, it's first person from the point of view of based on interviews of five people that were actually there. Mm. So it is three men and two women. So it is someone who is trans, someone who is, oh, Sylvia Rivera is part of it men women people of color so it's really when i read it because i read it for a paper but i'm still writing i you know when you first read something that's really like historical like you're like why is why am i like reading like you know blank said this he said that but i think i mean i think it's really well done so i think we should open out the the floor here and say like hey you know what let's uh let's get the other two involved because haven't really heard your voice as much. Straight so. people are okay, I guess. Yeah. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll accept you for now. Everyone Ouch. who's listening that and the people in this hard. podcast are cool. Everyone else, eh. Yeah. So what Who struck knows? me was I was doing my research for this, and the night of the the raid, the, the June 28th raid. Yes. The whole neighborhood, not just not just the LGBTQ community, but the actual neighborhood itself was pissed off. Out. They yeah, they were they cool. were pissed that the police kept raiding this. So I mean, it's not yes, it's important to remember that the LGBTQ plus community is involved in this. But not only that, communities themselves, like natural born communities, are pissed that that officers are increasingly protruding on this establishment, which it seems legal. Yes, it's owned by the mob, but that's totally other conversation we can have but it allows people of that community to express themselves and the neighborhood's fine with it so mm-hmm. what the police the police have this moral authority to per, to have this sexual deviance persecution no it's not how that that's not how the law works the law works that at that point it kind of was though <sighs> yes it i get that yeah i mean i get that but Jefferson said, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. If they're being happy, if they're doing their thing and not hurting anyone else, then fuck it, whatever. That doesn't matter at that point. Now, the police are just extruding their own authority over this establishment. Maria, go for it. I was just going to say, I I think we in 2021 have that mentality, but people back in 1969, kind of what Lauren was saying, just to echo Lauren, they wouldn't have that mentality. You and I have that mentality, Dave, of let, 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 let live, 
Love, live, yeah. laugh, love. Thank, thank you. I could, I could, <laughs> yeah, live, yeah. live, laugh, love. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. Whatever. Let live, love, live, laugh, love. David and I are of that mentality of you do what you want. If you're happy and you're not hurting anyone, have a ball. But people in 1969, from what we know, especially as historians, did not have that mentality because this is the height of McCarthyism. This is the civil rights movement. This is, there's all sorts of stuff going on at this point. But I mean, also the neighborhood joined in on the club's revolution. I mean, I, I would and also I love say, them for that. I love them I, for that. But that but that's the thing is it's, it's that thing where the people versus the establishment, the people were on the side of those who inhabited this, the bar scene at this particular bar, but law enforcement. I, I, I would, I would also say, I think it might also be a whole thing of picture this, that you're, you're sitting in your house every 10 to 12 days, fireworks go off next door. Eventually, when someone else gets pissed off about those fireworks, are you going to join them outside and say, hey, those fireworks kind of suck? That's pretty much what they had to deal with, the neighbors, because the police would show up with their sirens on every other couple days going, yeah, we're going to have another raid. Woo, woo, woo. So, you know, at that point, yeah, if people are outside saying, hey, let's stop the raids. Yeah, of course. They're going to jump on in for that. No, I... And I get that, but I also think that at least the vast majority of America, the vast majority of America was not on board with this at this point. No, and I wouldn't, but I mean, that, that just goes to show that at least for social historians, like we all are and why it's important to study historic, like social history instead of political history is that when it comes down to it, neighborhoods are fine with it. If neighborhoods are allowing these people to coexist, do their thing, and they're doing their thing, they're not hurting me, that's fine. Then the police coming in and being that space is totally something different. That means the government's getting involved, the state government or the local government's getting involved and saying, hey, that's not cool when the neighborhood's fine with that. So that's the point. I, I will say, um, 1960s. And, you're not and, talking. Like, I get like it. I yeah. I've read the stuff. I've seen, I've seen some of the newspapers that they wrote about the aftermath of it and how it pissed people off. Because I'd be pissed off too. You're representing my you're you're representing my community, a non-positive way in a way that's super inflated, and I get that. But the neighborhood itself that's around that club is saying hey you do you that's fine and if the police come in we're tired of hearing their their bullshit we'll come in and protect you if that's the case which it's from what i've seen from the source i've read that was the case and that again i'm not disputing anything that's happening in the lgbt community because as i've read from my classes that was some fucking that was some bullshit that was but i think that's the point of us historians now is we have to look at the local community not the national narrative but even mm. your local community you'd have people throwing each other under the bus if they even suspected them of being gay that was not a thing of community outreach 24 7 it depended on the person to person so, I, I know that there's the ideal 
thought of each neighborhood being a tight-knit community, but that is that is not what was happening. You would have people, you know, redlining and saying if a single African American moved into a city that, you know, they would be drove out by, you know, burning crosses. You had people that would be shunned if they had been caught cross-dressing. There was not like total equal, you know, love for every single person in every community. No, like we want to believe that there, I mean, there's not now, but like we, things are, people are going, starting to go back under their rocks with their whole like bigotry. No, I, I get that. But, but no, I mean, that's the importance of looking at his, like looking at neighborhoods as us historians, we can't look at the national narrative because at the national narrative, it's too broad. We can't see everything, but so that national narrative at that local narrative, that's, that's the important part, which Every local narrative is different, and that's the different parts of the United States and how weird we can be, because every local area is different. So I think it's, for those of you looking into the historical field, don't look at the broad narrative, don't look at the national stuff, look at the local stuff, because that's where it actually matters. I, I, I would not recommend that either, though, because you also need the national for context. It, it, it both you need to have both you can't just have local because if you look at local you're gonna hear local politics rather than you know overall ideas of how the country was existing. i'll send you guys my paper when i write it i got you let's go let me have that paper because i'm talking about I, how stonewall yeah. was not just how stonewall how 1969 was in i think it was, it's los angeles chicago new york somewhere else I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm an asshole because I'm I'm not totally not. But I think nationally wise, news news gets read differently depending on where you're where you're at. So for 1969, you know, it's the era where it's the the year that's the longest year. So so Native American rights grow or at least protest movements grow everywhere. And I think that's what we have to look at. And I think the not locally wise is more important than some of the national stuff i'm i'm not saying that local stuff is more important than national stuff i just think it's you know it's it's that tug and pull you know do i sound no. like an asshole do no. i sound like an asshole or do no. i make no. sense no 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 you no. do not sound like an asshole okay but it, but i just i want to make sure I'm not I, I don't think you should invalidate the whole national movement as a so unfortunately, I couldn't jump in in the heat of the moment because I had mic issues, but I've figured that out. No, Dave, you, you do not sound like an asshole, but I think as a historian, what we need to remember, and, and again, I'm coming in late, I apologize, a lot of this has already been tossed around, uh, but when am I ever one not to throw my hat in the ring? It depends on what you're looking at. If you're looking at the national, like if you're looking at the LGBTQ plus communities, national movement on a national scale, then yes, the national news or national events matter to you. If you're looking at more local, more grassroots stuff, zeroing in on something like Stonewall or other communities, then looking at a local level is going to, it all depends on what your scope and what your scale is for what your research is. And sometimes even paralleling the two and how they're different because sometimes yes people people who live in new york are not going to look at something that happens in kansas the same way people in kansas are going to look at it because people who come from that area are going to have different insight and different knowledge to bring to the table and also going back to 1969 was the longest year because you're right protest movements of every kind were happening happening during then with Vietnam, Native Americans, the civil rights movement, and 
there was just a lot going on at that time. And what else did you guys talk about that I was screaming into the avoid about that no one could um, hear me? Red scare, McCarthyism, the lavender scare, civil rights. There was something else that I was screaming into the void about that. <laughs> that you have a crush on me? Was yes, it? Oh my god! For pride, <laughs> say it. I love y'all. You know that. Um, You're like not like that, but thanks. <laughs> no, I still love no, you. We're doing. Um, we're um, doing <laughs> Operation History Expose. Hey, Operation love- coming out. Sorry. <laughs> I love y'all. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. Oh. So yes, it's important to recognize the national movement and stuff, and how national policy. It's also important. It. It's also important to remember the local communities because remember, I mean, this is me, but to fix the world, you have to work in your local corner in order to fix your corner. Yeah, absolutely. You got to start with the man in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's the thing in 1969, who was the man or the woman in the mirror? Who was the individual in the mirror? And I think, again, this was something that was tossed around you had we we talked about the neighborhood and how the neighborhood might have been okay with it but in 1969 was that neighborhood divided who was in that neighborhood who were they like it's easier now to look at it and have that kind of rosy mentality because we know how things should be we expect a certain level of how things should be but back in 1969 they had completely different expectations just a right. few years before that, segregation was 100% legal. Right. There were redlining and, you mm-hmm. know, people would be literally killed for going into the wrong neighborhoods. So. And that's, and I, and I think you had, you had touched upon that with certain other hate groups mm-hmm. that were, you know, doing things to other members of other communities. And mm-hmm. it, I was screaming into the void and no one could hear me. And, and like I was saying, Mar- Marsha got killed in the 90s possibly you know it's investigation still underway um it's largely assumed and many other people still are because even to this day the gay and lesbian and you know the lgbt community as a whole still faces a lot of possible threat from communities Mm -hmm. because they're not educated on it there's a lot of communities that are not educated on lgbtq plus issues and that causes a lot of fear and a lot of hate towards those communities. Fear mongering is still a huge practice that many people and organizations practice. Huge. I mean, I goddamn, I went so I bought a prize flag. I like Joanne Fabrics because it was on sale. I was gonna buy it anyway, but it was thirty percent off, and I was like, "That's the gay way, bro." Um, and like literally, I had in my hands, and some old ass lady behind me scoffed, and I was like. I'm wearing a shirt with a skull on it, and its sunglasses are the rainbow flag. What did you expect from <laughs> Like, I'm in polka dot flip flops, that shirt, and like bright, like blue pants. Like, what did you, what did you expect? Clearly, while we're, on, while we're on this topic of like education, um, I do have two organizations that if we have listeners who happen to have a little bit of extra cash might consider donating to no no, i mean yeah we're a bunch of broke gays but i mean that's not you know 
it's not, not like it's really not a worth <laughs> it's not helping anyone except us but i mean you know that would be nice but i think it's going to be going better suited for these organizations i'm going to talk about i only have two i don't know if you're going to be able to throw in one first off i have the trevor project um mm -hmm. suicide prevention for lgbt youth um it's huge it helps a They're lot great. of people daily um please if you have some extra cash and definitely are willing to go donate or uh, even and then, support them just or in support like you know even yeah yeah like you know if you want to post yeah yep you there they have a hotline that any person can call if they are you know feeling in in that mentality of suicide um and they will be on the line talking to you within a second um please reach out use uh they have a lot of support service that they can you know you know you can support them on social media and you know retweet things you know post things on facebook instagram TikTok, whatever uh to to try to outreach uh and then the uh organization uh glsen i don't know if uh, it's gleason not sure how uh yeah, i don't know actually but they're an education project uh that goes around and educates people from k to 12 about lgbtq plus issues so they go to schools and actually are you know people that actually tell you about issues rather than you know some school districts in some states banning talking about those kind of issues if there were more organizations like that we wouldn't be in the way that we are today and this is I hear Maria looking like she wants to talk. Uh, so oh, yeah. I, I had found an organization and I, I tried to find it on my phone again and I couldn't find it. I couldn't mm -hmm. find the post, yep. but maybe you two can help me. I think it's called the Rainbow Road or it's it, unfortunately, I apologize. I don't know the full name of it, but basically mm -hmm. this organization, if you live in an area where you are persecuted for being part of the LGBT community or lgbtq plus community you mm -hmm. they they can help you from what i understand they can help to you move, move yeah, yeah. and immigrate places i don't know if it was called the rainbow road or the rainbow project I, i've i've heard about this i'm not sure what the name is I, yeah i'm it's really the rainbow at, project okay rainbow. thank you i i knew it i knew it had rainbow, rainbow roads in mario kart <laughs> do not say i thought it was rainbow road I yeah I, I didn't want to say anything just in case they came up with a very clever name for it but no. um yeah no, I, that is, well, that is I, had, I had genuinely i had genuinely thought that's what it was but the rainbow project in all ser in all seriousness they are an organization that will help you out they're in a lot of places uh with the quick quick research that i did uh when i looked at the post uh, they're they're an organization where if you need their help, they'll be there. Mm -hmm. And support people and organizations, even if they're not catered to necessarily LGBT plus issues or helping, but people who year round, not just in June, are saying like, we love our LGBT customers, family, coworkers, employees, whatever. I would say it was, okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to date everyone who's listening here. Y'all know Allie and AJ. Y'all know about Allie and AJ. I went, so I went to one of their concerts before the Panini Press happened. They like literally like they had like, it's, it was like a raffle thing, like to meet them after the show. And it was like, you know, 
so so many dollars go to so many entries and all those proceeds went to the Trevor project and they raised like two thousand dollars for the Trevor project in one night and they did that the entire tour so like like love people who do good things always yes and I will say this kind of loops back around because one of the biggest things you can do for LGBT rights in the current modern day is support your local governments. Look towards local politics and local business and actually go ahead and try to talk vote. with local politicians, vote, see what they their ideals are. So, you know, Tibbs, I definitely agree with you on that front of where it starts at the grassroots for many, many, many opportunities can start right here in your own hometown. I don't know if you want to speak in anything about that because you're totally the grassroots guy of the uh, group here. Not only that, I mean, it also starts with education. So push your teachers to teach that stuff. I know, I, I don't know if I said this on Twitter or anything. I think I've told you guys, but I gave my students all the opportunity to pick what domestic policies they want to pick and through that it was social movements mm-hmm. and i had one class i had i think almost all but one class say they want to learn about indigenous movement so i plan lessons around that but the other thing I, that one class want to learn about was lgbtq the lgbtq movement in the 60s and so while researching this i was also doing research for my actual class and that's the thing. So educators, if you're listening, give your students their, that opportunity. I mean, I have, I have juniors, so I, I have that flexibility to do that. And, um, sorry, finish what you were going to say. But. but they want to learn about these issues. It's not a critical race theory or anything like that. It's you're just, your students are generally curious about these issues. Like I never mentioned these objects before or these, or these movements and they want to learn about them. So give your students the opportunity to pick their curriculum. And from there, you can, one, educate yourself, and two, you're helping your students figure out their own identity and figure out their own thought process. And that's the biggest problem. That's the biggest thing that we can do as educators is lead students to where they want to be. And it that makes your students who are part of that community just feel so, like, seen and... I remember when I was in high school, we talked about the gay rights movements in my US 2 class. And I was, I was out, out, it was my junior year. So I had been like out all everything for about a year. And it just makes you feel so like that teacher, I'm going to name drop her, Ms. Uppenkamp cares about her students enough to be like, these are issues that are not only important to you, but to everyone should know this and everyone should be learning. And everyone should feel that like what the, what the actions against the police that were happening that night that was complete and utter validate validate like valid like outrage i mean my thing my thing is and i want to give the students the opportunity to speak their mind and wanted them to all and i gave everyone the opportunity to do this so even i had even members who didn't want who didn't identify as that movement they wanted to learn more about that and that was the that was the biggest part is like i told them like hey you're going to be doing your own education at this at at some point or another once you're past the junior age might as well pick what you want to learn now and let's dive into that so that way it gave them that flexibility to pick what they wanted but also it gave them that empowerment that we as educators and all four of us 
are all educators if we want to admit it or not. Um, <laughs> we we want to give our students that empowerment, and this is one way we can do it. Is okay. We're at this certain age. We're at this one age point and two. At this point of our curriculum, what do you want to learn about? And one class want to learn about this movement, and that's how we do it. I would really say, I, I totally agree with you, Dave, on that one. It really genuinely starts, sadly, uh, with your superintendents and your school committees, because a lot of curriculum is based on whatever they want to teach. It's not usually based on a teacher-to-teacher -teacher basis. They can tell you, you can deviate a bit, but the vast majority of what you're supposed to teach is based on whatever the heck they want you to teach. So if gay rights or civil rights aren't being totally you know, acknowledged, it's not really supposed to be a priority for your school. And it's, it's sad and it's, it's really genuinely depressing at that point. And there are, like I said, some school districts in the US even still this day that refuse to ever talk about gay rights, any kind of things that involve the entire LGBT community, because they believe that if for some reason a you know high schooler hears about the gay rights movement, that's instantly going to propel them into being the most flamboyant of gays. That's um, happened to me. Which, yeah, no, same. <laughs> I, I I heard about Stonewall once, and look where I, I am said, oh, now. Oh, I got it. I want everyone to hate me. I want my life to be just shit. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> For all the kids out here, at, out there at home, I'm kidding. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Honestly, what what sarcastic. whatever. We're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk you real for a second anyone who's out there of the LGBTQ plus community who is either out or not it it gets better it gets over better. time it gets it, a lot better you stop caring what people think you're just you like really do you know what go fuck yourself bro like I, I, <laughs> like you think I I mean you think that I chose for you're sorry ass to hate me because I don't that I want to like hold hands in public with my girlfriend like get over yourself it's not that deep and anyone out here who whether you're out or somewhat out or like you're kind of in the closet and say your personal not personal life but you know your real life hit us up on twitter I mean I run the twitter if you just want to talk and be like hi I'm gay or I'm bi or whatever Ah, like if you want to scream about it, <laughs> make it scream about it. If you Please. need to send of Taylor Swift to make you feel better, I will do. Like, Please hey, do. like just like we like. It's one of those things that we care, but we don't care because we like. Well, no, no, I don't want to say that we no, care. I don't want to say <laughs> we don't care because I don't mean it like that. I mean it in the way. Yes, of, like, I know, I know. We, not, we don't care about the haters. We got the hater blockers on. It doesn't, it, there is nothing that will make me think less of you because like your sexuality has nothing to do with what I think of you as a person. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to jump in on that note. Please do. Okay. I didn't know if you could hear me. I want to jump in on that note that you said, Lauren, as somebody who is an 
Alliance member of the LGBTQ plus community. What I want to add to this conversation is, yeah, fuck the haters, because you will find people out there who will love you for who you are. They will accept you for whoever you are and whoever you want to be. I agree. Dr. Napolitano, you have to find your people. I was, I'm trying to say that without saying it. Um, I don't, I, I, I'm just here to spread love. I don't have much to add. Unfortunately, this is something I've never had to go through. And I have huge admiration for anybody who has had to, because you guys are up against a lot. And not to speak for you, Maria, but you are a very, like, you are a very religious, spiritual person. And there are some people out there that are like, God hates me because I'm gay. If you need to talk to Maria about like how that's the opposite of everything, Maria's God loves you. And I will get you on a direct line to Maria being like so valid. Like I personally, I'm more of a pagan these days, but I like Maria's God. Maria's God's pretty rad. (laughs) I think he's, I think he's pretty rad. And and that, and and to add to that, um, yeah, to all right. What? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, wow. Dave. We're at hard stance. Now. Hard whoa. stance. Haven't heard this from Dave before. Holy cannoli! <laughs> um, this is a like follow-up. exclusive. Holy exclusive cannoli! Exclusive interview. <laughs> How do? And, and I don't oh. want to do that because this is not yeah. this is not the place for that. But what? No, I, no. I'm just saying. Like, I, I am putting you in the spotlight of if and, someone needs that, like religious, like no, that's not. And and it. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that bandwagon and and curtail that. Uh, not curtail to dovetail off that. I truly do believe that God made us all, and God, whatever God makes, is perfect. And if you believe who you are is who you are, and you're comfortable with yourself, then rock on my friend rock on god does love you and i think people forget about that that they remember the 99 other things he said but the one i remember is love thy neighbor and i do love my neighbors for who they are let's go except for the fact that we talked for eight hours and that you have to yeah that's a different fucking gripe i have with you assholes (laughs) (laughs) don't shut the fuck up hey you know sometimes Yeah, I think you know that's 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 a little bit harsh on pride right now. No, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with pride. If you want to exclude pride, hey, I was gonna say it's you, got to do with hey, the other nine fucking episodes. Listen, it's have. pride right now. You can't tell Lauren and I t- anything we're doing is wrong. But see, here's the thing. No, 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 it's not the episode. The episode's only been recording for an hour. It's the fucking backlog of material that we have. Listen, one hour of the episode. Because I have a beard. What? <laughs> all that I heard was I have a beard. <laughs> that's all that you need. To that's all really. That's all you need to know. I have a beard. That's all you need to know. Fantastic. Oh, I love all it. All right. Okay. So okay. let's get. Okay. We, so who's doing we, the we, we ready to start to uh, wrap oh, up? Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate all of our listeners and the support that we have received. Please rate, download, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you go to get your podcasts. It's a small and simple thing that you can do to help out the show in a big way. If you enjoy listening to Maria, Lord help you, you can check out another show in this part of the Down the Hall podcast network called It's a Fan's World, 
where Maria and our friend Kelly discuss and analyze films and different pop culture media. If you would like to interact with us, and Lord help you if you do, there are several ways that you can interact with us. You can reach us at our Twitter, at Operation Hist, which is very active. Uh, you can shoot us an email at our Gmail, Operation History Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can view us on our website, Operation History Podcast.wordpress.com. Needs to be updated. Don't worry, we'll get there. Once again, this has been Operation History, and we are signing off. Bye! Bye! Operation History has no association with any of the institutions or organizations mentioned in this podcast. The views and expressions of the hosts and guests are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent any academic institutions, organizations, or companies that they currently work for or attend or that they have previously worked for or attended in the past. Thanks for listening and tune in next time for Operation History. Fun, fun, Hello, fun. baby. Hello, my darling. Okay. So, oh, right who's doing? I have the opener and closer thing up. I'm oh, not. Yeah, crap. I should probably open that, shouldn't I? Considering you oh, and wait. Derek are hosting it and Dave did the intro last time, I, I guess I'm drawing the short straw. I'm sorry. I do not have it open because I have like the first one. <laughs> well, it says opener and closer, so I clicked it, and then I was oh like, this is "Oh yeah, that we should make a standard script." I'm gonna put that on my to-do list. My to-do list is A- after the papers. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Lauren's got it more correct. No. Oh no, that's that's the cannibalism one. Do we have a specific thing here? <laughs> I'm uh, trying to find it in no. our. Drive. No, we don't have okay. a standard script. Okay. I was just gonna make something. Y'all, I, 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 I need to organize this shit because this is it is organized. Listen, I have spent a lot of time organizing this. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. This wait. Oh, never mind. It went. It went to recent. Thank it went you. recent. Never mind. I was I'm gonna sorry. say there's only I'm four sorry. docs that do not I'm, have a I'm, home. I'm, I'm, lo siento. Lo siento. Apology accepted. Eliza, you can't just. We're going to get Maria tequila drunk on that one. Absolutely not. I learned on the last episode I am never drinking again. Oh, let me open up the episode notes because I'm a dumb as a rock. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Do you want me to write the outro too while I'm here? Yes, please. Yes. Okay. Um, speaking of gay pride, I have something coming in the mail that's a t-shirt that says "Ain't no lie, baby, I'm bye bye bye." So, so that's where we're at. Nice. <laughs> mm.
Nice. Like $12 online. I was like, this is probably a scam and they're probably gonna get like kidnapped and killed, but it's worth it. Hey, I Maria, have fun with all the blue bird material. I know, just literally cut out the first like, I don't know, what, 20 minutes? And don't even listen. It's to been me. a bit more than 20 minutes that we've oh, been Oh, it's been more than 20 minutes. Like 30 I know, I minutes. I trying to make it better than it is. Every minute that just goes by, my soul just dies a little bit more on the inside. Because well, just honestly, just, just start editing right when we start talking. I just I always, in your I always do that. So wherever we start talking, which is usually like 30 fucking minutes worth of material, I usually separate that material and I automatically move it to the end because I know it's nothing important to do with the episode. And then as the episode is over, depending on how long it is, then I sift through the material and just pull out the peak stuff. You're a genius. Oh, I try. Thank you. I like, like how um when it was like how long do you spend editing and I was like haha like three days and someone like replied and was like haha I was like it's not a joke though not a joke <laughs> not a joke kids I don't it's get a... paid for this and I have an old computer okay let's get the show on the considering it's now seven fifty one can we please get yeah, the show on the whoever's listening out here who knows me in person and not in this realm I'm sorry. Not you guys. I certainly hope no one's listening. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> he doesn't do a bad job, but he takes a lot of liberties to make him seem less of a dick than he is. Oh, until the second act. It goes from like, yeah, Hamilton to like, fuck Hamilton. To like, sucking Hamilton's dick. Like, one, Hamilton's dead. So you want to suck his dick. One. Are you sure? Two, he's an absolute fucking dickhead. And he sounds like a whiny bitch the entire time. What Unpop- unpopular opinion, but Hamilton sounds like a whiny bitch. Because he was. 100%. Maria's like, what the fuck? Apparently, I missed a lot. I had a guest at work call me unprofessional over the weekend, so. Nice. Oh, fun. Okay, we're going to get into it after. That's, that's going to really, be after. Why don't yes. we just wait four minutes and go for eight o'clock and make it a solid hour? Okay, like- so... No, <laughs> do not. We need to start this damn episode at some point. Oh, really? I what real? Honestly, at this point, this should just be what we put out for a podcast. Just okay. us having a conversation. Because at this point, this this is why we have to do a Patreon exclusive. Yeah, just there's talking. more material and of us dicking around than there is of the actual podcast. Okay, so we've been new though. Unless we're gonna have an audio transcript of everything. Oh, I mean, her read. I- <laughs> that is that is above my pay grade. <laughs> there will okay. not be an audio transcription. Actually, that is your pay grade. No, especially no. now. No, 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 I, no, I, no, 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 no. Before we before we start freaking out, Maria, 